Hello, hello, and welcome back, or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett, and I'm a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to children and play therapy, coming at both of those things from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I wanted to talk about self-awareness, and I had the thought, like, I'm sure I've done a podcast on self-awareness. I mean, after 60 episodes, I can start to forget what I've even talked about, and it turns out that I haven't, and it is such a crucial piece to helping a child move into themselves, helping a child have some agency in their experience, helping them be less overwhelmed by all of the stimulus and expectations of life. And so it is worth giving some space here. And if you're a play therapist, you already know this, but one of the primary skills of a play therapist is tracking. One of the primary skills that you would use with a child in session is tracking. And what tracking amounts to is essentially being a narrator for what is happening at the time. Almost like, you know, like when you're watching a movie and there's a character going around doing things and there's like a voice in the background. You might be naming what the character's thinking or feeling or what's happening inside of the scene. And it's a similar kind of energy. Like if a child is playing with blocks, it's like, ah, you took that block and you stacked it on top of that one. Ooh, and then you decided to take that other one and put it on top of there. And then the whole thing fell down and now you're feeling disappointed. And with some children, I literally do that much talking. It seems to help sink them into this deeper state, which you can think of like if you're watching a movie and you're watching a scene and there's also narration in the background, it serves to somehow heighten the scene. It serves to somehow bring the scene to life. Tracking is a way of bringing just what's happening inside of reality and what's happening inside of the play to life, and it raises awareness of that thing. I tried to do some research to remember where I got this from, but at some point I was introduced to this this sort of Zen concept. I guess there was this Zen monk who used to, in order to wake himself up sometimes, he would say his name, and then he would respond to himself, and that that would serve to get him in deeper touch with his reality in the present moment. So I have moments where I'll say to myself, if I feel like I'm disconnected or slightly disassociated or I'm just not focused, I could say, Andrew, yes. Andrew, yes. And it's worth trying yourself. Like, you, you can immediately start to move into this interesting place where you become very aware of yourself as a person. I wouldn't recommend it doing it too many times in a row. When I do it too many times in a row, sometimes I start to feel a little bit too real and a little bit too crazy, but that's probably just because I can't handle whatever enlightenment is. But I say all of that to name that when we do that for a child in a session, it makes them more aware of themselves. It makes them aware of what they're doing. It makes them aware of what their body is. And we get to choose with that tracking what we're calling awareness to. And probably what we're choosing to call awareness to is what is most obvious to us in that moment. What feels like it is the focus of what's happening in that moment. A lot of times it's moving with the child's focus and attention. Almost all the time it's moving with the child's focus and attention. There are other moments where I'll feel pulled to like, ah, they're really tense in their body and I can... I can name that in a gentle way. 
to make them aware of that. Or, oh, there's some big emotions in this scene they're playing out right now. Or this character's running away and they're, they're really afraid. Now, they haven't named that they're afraid, but, but it's pretty obvious based on they were like shaking the character and then the character started to sprint off in this direction. Like, oh, we can name that that's fear and highlight that and hold that up. And why I think that's helpful for children or why I think that's therapeutic for children is that the world for children, I think, is often a pretty overwhelming place. On an episode a little ways back, we talked about how children's brains, if you do a brain scan on a baby, say, or a very young child, look very similar to the brains of people who are on hallucinogenic substances. They are taking in a lot of stimulus from the world. Children can genuinely convince themselves at times that there are monsters under their bed, or that there are monsters in their closet, or that some kind of crazy sort of mystical supernatural bad force is is real or they can also be very connected say to like other living things i've known many children who have been just distraught to the point of either anguish or rage at the destruction of a tree say they feel it they feel it they feel life very intensely life for children is intense many people don't remember large pieces of their childhood and we could say on the one hand that perhaps that's emotional repression and trauma and that if you really can't remember most of your childhood you should probably go to therapy not because you have some big old capital t trauma in there but you might have had many emotions in there that got stuffed and then you can't connect to that space anymore because you can't actually connect to what you felt in that moment and our feelings connect us to reality so it could be helpful to go to therapy but another reason why It's difficult for us to remember what it's like when we were children, especially being a very, very young child, say, is that their experience of life, the experience of life of being a child is just so fundamentally different than the experience of life of being an adult. And I brought all of that up to say that being a child is very overwhelming. And when we track for a child, when we narrate for a child, when any adult expresses what's happening for that child in that moment, it helps sink them into what's happening inside of that moment. When they're sunk into what's happening inside of themselves, when they're developing that self-awareness, when we're calling their attention consistently to their body, to their feelings, to the narrative that's being acted out, to their pride, to their joy, to their anguish, to their fear, to their hesitation, We bring that to their awareness. They're able to enter that with all of the intensity that is themselves and with their whole selves connected to reality. And then things feel a little less overwhelming when you're connected to reality. And being connected to reality, we could just say is being connected to yourself. I mean, I did a podcast on reality some ways back, and I think there are some ties between self-awareness and what's happening in the present moment. If you are more aware of yourself, If you say to yourself, whatever your name is, but I'll do it for myself now, Andrew, yes. Andrew, yes. Andrew, yes. I feel like when I do that, I also become more aware of what's happening around me, how my body feels, what I'm hearing, what's sort of coming up inside of me internally. I'm more aware of just what's going on in this moment for myself. And with that grounding of self-awareness, that can be such a launching point for all of the other goals that come along with therapy that are stuck onto therapy at the beginning of the process for a child based on 
the friction points between themselves and the adults in their environment most of the time, not all the time. That self-awareness, that foundation can be a basis for emotional regulation. It can be a, a place where children are able to move in the direction that, say, their values would want them to go, move in the direction of where they're finding joy, move towards the things they want, move towards the people that are in their orbit with less emotional intensity and less emotional neediness than they had previously. So when a child says to us, say, if you're a therapist, they got like a grumpy face on and they're like, I don't want to leave the session now. I, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. And we say, you're really mad that I told you it was time to go. That can be a very grounding thing to say to a person. It's not presenting the say, no, it's time to go side of things that can create this toxic binary and it just goes back and forth and back and forth. And that's not very helpful. That kind of rises that feeling up in them. What we're able to do is, is just name it for them. They're not actually connected to the fact that they're angry when they say that. When they say, I don't want to go. They can just be in this state of, I'm creating a boundary. I'm trying to do what I want. I'm naming this hard so that it happens. But they're not in this place themselves of like, gosh, I'm really, I'm really angry that, that Andrew just said that. And when, then when we say back to them that they're angry about this and don't even try to, to reinforce the limit at that point, right? Setting that aside, like we can get into this therapeutic space with them where they feel seen by us. And then they see themselves. It'd be like being a character in a movie and having your life narrated for you. Like if every time I was upset, I was like, ah, I don't want to do this thing. And then there was a voice inside of me that's like, Andrew was feeling pretty frustrated that because he had this thing he had to do. I'd be like, huh, yeah, I am feeling pretty frustrated. And from that place of groundedness in my feelings, from that place of being aware of my relationship to something else and not just being reactive, I could... Either say like, okay, I don't want to do this and I'm sacrificing this thing that I do want to do to do this thing that I ultimately also want to do because I think it's important or it's important to somebody else or I, I want to be the kind of person who's on, who, who does the thing that I'm going to do or maybe I'll, maybe I'll actually get into it and like it. I don't, like, don't want to do it right now, but I don't have to follow my feelings around all the time. Or in that same situation, I, you, know, the, you could decide not to do something, but either way, you're doing it from a grounded place and you're doing it from a place of being aware of your feelings. And most of the time for children in that situation, when they say, I'm not ready to leave the session and I say, ah, you're angry that I said it's, that the session is over. Sometimes they, they reiterate how they, how they feel in an angry way. Sometimes they're like, yeah, I am mad about it. Or sometimes they just don't say anything and they just kind of stand there. Then I'm not going to follow that up with any kind of words at that moment. I could see that moment as like, hmm, they're sitting with themselves right now. They had a reaction. They did not have this deeper level of awareness coupled with that reaction. And now they're having a seat. Now they're, or a seat, well, even if they're still standing up, but they're having, they're having a moment with themselves. They're having a moment with their feelings. And from that place, children often leave the session. I mean, that you can get to a spot internally where it's like, gosh, I don't want to go, but that's what's happening right now. And I know that's what's happening right now. And so I'm going to leave. And I don't think that that level of introspection and self-awareness is a place that children are often invited to connect to. 
that they can often be expected to either submit really quickly to their environment or the adults in their environment can have a reaction back to them when they have a reaction and then and then we end up in this like ping 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 reaction sequence that doesn't allow space for introspection that doesn't have any narration of like okay this is what's happening as adults i am sure we can all relate to that sometimes we can be so overwhelmed with an emotion sadness anger fear what have you and act through that emotion and not really be aware of what's going on feel like we're out of control of what's going on and it does seem like when emotions reach a certain level of intensity that they can take control and at least when i'm having a large emotion inside of myself and then someone else reacts to me with a large emotion from them, I get prickly, I get defensive, or I get withdrawn. Everyone's got their own responses to that, but all of that to say I don't like it when someone is reactive towards me, when I'm feeling really emotional. And I think that children go through that all the time, all the time. They're having big emotions inside of themselves, and they are reactive in that state. And I don't think there's anything that's really more helpful for an adult to do in this world for a child than to call awareness of that child to themselves, to call awareness to the situation itself, to be able to witness what's happening and be the narrator for what's happening, to help children to slow down a little bit, to help children to check in with themselves, to not just give that reaction back to them, which will make them react again. And then we end up in this cycle that will probably end in some kind of punishment or consequence and more volatile emotions. And some of the most beautiful things that I've heard children say and some of the most interesting things and introspective things and sweet things that I've heard children say are usually said when they're, they're feeling pretty calm, when they're feeling pretty grounded, when they're feeling self-aware. Because I do also believe that there is this natural joy and goodness that flows out of children without much effort at all on anyone's part if you you can set a bunch of children free with a bunch of toys and and i you know i get that some children like end up fighting sometimes but i think that there is a real joy at being alive and a curiosity about life and a connection to life that children are perhaps closer to than we are as adults to that space and that self-awareness and that slowing down helps that space to emerge. They're not just in this like bang, bang, bang conflict with their environments. They're in this deeper relationship to self. And that often also correlates to a deeper relationship to joy and a deeper relationship to intimacy. And at the end of the day, and you know, when I get going with these things, I can end up being a little bit dramatic. So like take it with a grain of salt if you'd like. But at the end of the day, I think that Self-awareness feels like it's at the heart of the health of every child that I've worked with who has moved towards wholeness and has moved towards having more agency in their experience and has moved towards being more responsive and less reactive. And that that self-awareness is at the core of all of that, that they're just able to speak to their experience by the end of a time in therapy with a, 
a higher level of nuance with a higher level of connection to reality of being able to name maybe multiple parts of a situation because they've got this place in themselves where they can identify what's happening and recognize like legitimate struggles like I want this thing and I also want this thing or like this person feels this way and this person feels this way and they can hold those conflicts better without just reacting to one side or the other and all of that feels like it's grounded and rooted in self-awareness. And I have this small fear while I'm making this podcast that I'm repeating myself a little bit from previous podcasts, and that's likely true and probably because self-awareness is at the heart of so much of everything. Like a truly self-aware person is an enlightened person. This podcast started talking about Buddhism because... Like if a, if a child comes out of therapy with us being more self-aware, that's amazing. That's an amazing thing. That's a thing that people spend so much of their time trying to cultivate in, with meditation and in monasteries and with people in their spiritual practice and yoga and everything else that we do going to therapy. It's all about self-awareness. It's all about deeper connection to self and I feel comfortable sometimes when I'm in therapy with a child throwing all the goals out the window. It's like, okay, I want them to to be more regulated and have less tantrums and blah, 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 whatever's on the goal list for a particular child. And for me, sometimes it can all be grounded in bringing the play to life, bringing the conversations to life if you're having therapy online these days and doing more conversations with children. And raising awareness inside of that, heightening it, having your session with a child be like, I am the narrator of this. I am a real-time narrator of this, and I'm narrating this play to bring it to life, to bring it to life. The narrator in a movie brings the movie to life. The narrator in play, the play therapist brings the play to life. And when it's brought to life, it starts to live inside of the child. And when it lives inside of the child and it's being narrated, we're calling their attention to what they're projecting into the play, what's coming out of their unconscious and what's happening inside of themselves. And when we have integration with those things and when we have movement with those things, then the child is moving into new places inside of themselves, coming into deeper awareness of where they've been and where they're moving to. And they are brought closer and closer to being self-aware and to being in connection with themselves. And shoot, we can stack a whole bunch of other things on top of what we're trying to do when we do play therapy. But at the end of the day, it might all just be increasing self-awareness. And fortunately, I am self-aware enough to recognize when I'm out of things to say. So this is the end of Playtime for today. Thank you so much for listening this podcast is brought to you in the spirit of the gift it's free like all podcasts but if you would like to support the show and connect yourself more deeply to playtime uh, check out patreon.com slash playtime podcast or click on the support the show link in the show notes for more of my work check out barnettchildtherapy.com where there are four books out in the child-centered children's book series and as always if you'd like to be in touch with me i love to hear from people especially if you've got possible topics for the podcast or things that you'd like to hear about on playtime i'm i'm open to suggestions and my email is barnettchildtherapy at gmail.com and yep i will catch you all next time Thank you.